This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, everybody. It is great to be with you. Andrew Patterson here on one side of the screen and joined back at the command center of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Michael Remus joins me as well as always. The program brought to you by our great family of sponsors, Not Autocore, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend Country Club, Coolback Canada, and Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Folks, I was already in a great mood coming into today. Uh, you look outside, the weather's gorgeous. People 18 and up are getting vaccinated. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. And there was a light at the end of the tunnel last night for the Winnipeg Jets. And I think Jets fans, I'm not sure who needed that win more. The fan base, the players, the top line. I think everyone needed it. Um, And now with one game left to go in the regular season, the Jets get, you know, exactly what the doctor ordered. Great defensive performance, a shutout from Connor Hellebuck, an explosion from the top line. And now we know the matchup is set. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, the Edmonton Oilers will be the opposition for the Winnipeg Jets in the playoffs beginning at some point next week. Um, I'm also fired up because we have one of the best shows we have ever put together. Um, And credit to Michael Remus and some thanks to folks from the Jets and the Moose for helping us out. Uh, We're going to start it off with Chris Johnson, at Reporter Chris, one of the top insiders in the game. It's been a long time since we've had a chance to talk to Chris, being on opposite sides of the fence. Uh, But it's going to be great to have one of the top guys at Sportsnet join us. Just a great dude, and it's been a long time since we've had him on the program, so can't wait to talk to Chris. We're going to do that in about 10 minutes. Then, a little bit later on in the program, Mr. 1000 himself, Paul Stastny, is going to join us live today on the program talking about um, just at a, at a great ceremony last night that was only missing more family and friends of Paul Stastny and 15,000 Jet fans giving him a well-deserved, lengthy standing ovation. Um, but he'll talk a little bit about that, talk about the game last night, and we'll get the veterans' thoughts on the challenge of the Edmonton Oilers coming up next week in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And we're not done with Paul Stastny. After 2 o'clock, Cole Perfetti's going to join us live on the show. Uh, The young Moose star who's had such a great season has been a huge part of this late-season run the Moose have been on with points in their last 12 games. Um, It was announced yesterday, and credit to Dave Manouk of Illegal Curve, who broke the news that he has accepted an invitation and will be representing Canada at the World Championships. So we thought this would be a perfect time to talk to Cole about his first season as a pro, all the the weirdness that's happened this year, but also the opportunity for him getting a chance to play against men in the American Hockey League, an opportunity that normally would not have been there, um, as well as the, the chance to put on the red and white and uh, go out and play with the pros uh, at the World Championships. So Chris Johnson, Paul Stastny, Cole Perfetti, we are packed today. Let's get to it. Michael Remus joins me now. Remo, how how are you? And I'll just let people know a little behind the curtain. Remo was struggling a little bit beforehand, not with the technology, not with anything that actually has to do with the show, uh, more um, internal issues, maybe an upper body issue from crushing 15 wings this morning before the show. Wings usually a nighttime snack, Reem. Uh, I'm surprised you're getting after it that early. I had these wings from um, the Super Bowl in the freezer, so I had a bunch of them before. Maybe not the smartest, but uh, 
I'm feeling good today. I was I had a bit of a vax hangover yesterday, but it may have been the uh, the hot dogs I had for lunch. So my diet uh, taking don't a couple blame L's. hot dogs. Like it's yeah. bad enough that people are shaming the vaccine, but it, if you start going after hot dogs, Remus, then we have a real problem right now. There's no uh, you know, yeah. no hot dog truthers allowed on this show, please. <laughs> don't tell my don't tell my wife, please. Don't tell her about <laughs> my my diet. <laughs> that's that's all I got to say. Enough about Remus me. Crushes hot dogs and wings before the show, and then gets back to the clean eating around three thirty when the boss comes home. Yeah. I love it. Don't, don't um, tell, but yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll have plenty of time this summer to talk about food and spend some time like this. We've got too big of a show and too much to talk about not to get right into it. Um, listen, Reem, Paul Stastny's joining us later on, mm-hmm. and obviously we want to talk about the game and what we saw on the ice last night, but. First things first, um, a little golf clap, stick tap, silver stick tap, if you will, to the Jets, game production, balls in the gang that put that together. You know, for a situation with no fans and so few people in the building, I thought, you know, just watching on television on TSN, um, they did such a great job with that silver stick ceremony. And it was it was a moment I think Winnipeg Jet fans are going to remember for a long time. Certainly Paul Stastny and his family will. And, I mean, the touch of the two mini silver sticks for the kids' ream, I like, there's karma and then there's great karma. And I literally said to myself before the game even started, there it is, great production work, those little, oh, God, they look so cute. And how about the hat on... Uh, on the uh, on his son, a great, a special Stasny custom made one thousand hat for the game. But you know what? There was just so many good vibes in the building at that point when that happened. I, and again, maybe this is the optimist in me getting on, but I'm like, all right, this is the TSN turning point to the season right here. There's no way this team loses this game. Um, they came out had a really really strong performance, um, and you know the game, everything that followed after the ceremony seem to be exactly what the doctor ordered for this hockey team. Now, again, we're not going to know um, if any of this is impactful. We won't know how much the last three weeks matters. Um, and really, at the end of it, none of it's really going to matter once they drop the puck against the Edmonton Oilers. But I think everyone that's been around this hockey club, everyone that's been following this team, knows that you know a strong performance from the team defensively was something Paul Maurice wanted. Um, certainly getting a little bit of puck luck, getting a few of these chances to go in the net, absolutely necessary. And for the top line to perform the way they did last night, um, you know, I think that's what Jet fans needed, as much as probably the guys in that locker room did as well. Blake Wheeler letting everyone know that Connor uh, McDavid's not the only guy that can put up four-point nights against the Vancouver Canucks. Um, Two goals, two assists for the captain last night. Two uh, Kyle Connor with a goal and two assists. One and one for Mark Scheifele. Um, you know, the performance from the top line, I think, you know, after a real tough stretch um, is something that, you know, will give some confidence within the Winnipeg Jets team, but also within the fan base. Um, Reem, honestly, I mean, I know it hasn't been a fun few weeks around the hockey club, but that last night to me, um, listen, you want to think about all the things that could have happened to me. What we saw last night was absolutely best case scenario. And um, we'll see what they do in what essentially is a nothing game on Friday against the Maple Leafs. Um, but I think what everyone's hoping is that we'll see more of this continue to build going into game one against Edmonton at some point next week. Yeah, it's amazing that they still, you know, I didn't even think they would do a ceremony like this with no fans in the building. I thought it was just 
for the fans. But I know, you know some of the players uh, got emotional. I know Paul Maurice delivered, as according to what Blake Wheeler and Stasny after the game said, Paul Maurice gave like an all-time fire him up speech. Winston and Jen- Churchill was quoted. I can't remember whether it was Wheeler or Paul. I think it was Paul Stasny talking with the speech quoted Winston Churchill. Yeah. And then Maurice was asked about it after the game. I, I will say this. I, you know, I know there's many fans that will, you know, right after the game, go to the site and watch everything live. You know, sometimes there's a lot to chew on. Sometimes there's not a lot. Last night was one of the most interesting post games I can ever remember with the Winnipeg Jets, with you know people talking about Paul Stastny, the situation with the team, but then there was all the business about Maurice's speech, and you know we did I think learn a little bit more about Paul Maurice and why he is beloved and so popular with his players from you know certainly from Paul Stastny's interview last night, and we'll talk to him more about that a little bit later on. Um, but Reem, I mean, I don't know from your perspective. I mean, was it the overall team play? Was it the? I mean, they were. They did play with a lot more emotion. I couldn't believe how physical the game was at times. And I know people said Vancouver didn't have a lot. Hey, Vancouver wasn't just taking that stuff. I mean, there was some back and forth last night in that hockey game. Um, you know, we can talk about how dangerous they were offensively. But it seemed to be like, especially that third line of Adam Lowry, um, you know, along with Mason Appleton, Andrew Kopp at times, depending on where he was at and who he was out with, definitely laying the body right now. It felt like a team that was realizing that this is what they need to do going into the playoffs. So, I mean, so many good things coming out of the game. Again, it's just one regular season game. All we really get out of this is knowing that the Oilers and Jets will be playing in a best of seven beginning next week. But Reem, considering what the last week has sort of looked like, this certainly was, um, you know, was necessary and I think very welcome for everyone around the team, both in the organization and out here on the other side. Yeah, we had said on the show yesterday, you were saying, you know what, they're going to win it for Stasny. And, I mean, how do you not get fired up after a, a ceremony like that? I don't know if all the players are on Twitter. I saw Ehlers sharing the Stasny 1000 logo. I mean, the Jets did such a tremendous job honoring him for uh, 1,000 games. Uh, again, we talked about the silver stick, giving it to the kids, uh, the video message from the parents, former teammates. And I was Blake Wheeler uh, showed up on the Jumbotron as well. Not too many times... Uh, you know, he'll be giving yeah. <laughs> a speech on the Jumbotron while waiting to play. So um, it was so well done. Uh, the first intermission interview with Sarah was excellent. You could just tell, um, you know, the team had forgot about everything that had happened the last 10 games. And, uh, you know, they said they were lacking emotion. Um, they, I don't know if they needed the pregame ceremony to get it, but they played with it yesterday. You know, you remembered that Connor Shafley-Wheeler can be a top line. And as you said, four, you know, not only McDavid can get four points, there was the captain, Blake Wheeler. And they had played well um, the Monday's game, too. I mean, uh, Thatcher, they kind of got goldie by Thatcher Demko. Holtby, not as good, and they were able to put a couple past him. But, uh, I mean, the plays were there. You saw what the uh, Connor Wheeler passing play on that goal um, it was all it was all awesome. Just a great feeling, and you do you know as you say turning point. You know not only for the night was the was the ceremony, but for the entire season. And I think and I said this yesterday. You know what? In the moment, you're like, oh, they they've played terrible. Now we have a game like that, and I almost forget about everything that we just watched. And you remember that this team isn't as bad as they were during that that losing streak. They do have talented players, and I know against Edmonton it hasn't gone well this year. But 
that was that was a regular season. Play, maybe playoffs are different. It's as Connor Hellbuck said, it's a man's game. The playoffs, so maybe <laughs> maybe they can find a different gear. Yeah, we have well, heard that. You know what? They played like men last night, as we uh, yeah. as we always love to say and joke about. But you know, it, it honestly and, and Maurice, and this is why I direct people to go back and just you know, if you are interested, and listen to what the coach had to say afterwards, because you know they're digging in a little bit more. I can't wait to ask Paul Stasny about this because I think honestly, you know where this started was the frank comments from Stasny after that beatdown 6-1 to Edmonton a couple Mondays ago where he said kind of what needed to be said that you know they've gotten away from many of the things that got them into the position that they were in the standings and they needed to get back to the fundamentals of the style of game that they will need to play against the Edmonton Oilers against the Toronto Maple Leafs that they want to have success in the playoffs and you know, that was about as close to it as we've seen since Paul Stastny made that speech. So, you know, to have a performance like that, to have everything pretty much go well, um, you know, you could hear the exhale. I don't know, the exhale of the fans maybe was after the seven-game losing streak was broken against Calgary. But I think considering where we are in the season, considering the performances the last couple games that, you know, there were some good things, but they didn't get the result to get the result, to get the shutout, to have the top line explode the way they did. Um, you know, hard to imagine things going any better last night for the Winnipeg Jets. And, you know, I think Paul Stastny and celebrating his incredible career up until this point with the 1,000 games was um, was a big, big part of it. One thing you certainly saw, Reem, in both the um, ceremony with the videos from his former teammates as well as listening to other Winnipeg Jets talk about Paul Stastny is just what um, what an incredible player he has been, what a great teammate has been, and how how beloved he is amongst his teammates, and how important he is to these squads. Even though um, he would be probably one of the quieter, more to himself guys, not really a real loud rah rah guy, but um, certainly leads by example every time he gets to the rink. Yeah, it was so funny in that intermission interview with Sarah when Sarah's like, "How how was it like? Uh, what was it like wearing that Stasny jersey with the one thousand uh, number? I don't think I've ever seen a jersey with uh, four digits on the back, uh, let alone three. But <laughs> the it was, best he, part, yeah, he goes is too flashy. <laughs> the best part of that whole thing yeah. is, yeah, that was a bit too cocky for me to uh, yeah. you know to have the <laughs> to have it on." So I'm thinking, um, you know, and by the way, shout out, the Hammer's here. Jeff Hamilton will definitely have Hammer back on the show uh, very soon. He's popping in. He said, don't forget the jean jackets. And yes, it seems that uh, Taylor and many of the other folks in the chat obsessed with the jean jackets. The uh, the, the entire look of Team Stastny was absolutely amazing last night. Um, so anyways, we, uh, we really, really, you know, I love the game, but I thought that the tone was set by everything that happened beforehand. And it was great to see the Jets sort of answer the call the way they did, um, at a point where they weren't having many more chances, I think, to reinstill their confidence, considering the fact that they've got such a big, big challenge, um, coming up. Uh, we're going to get Chris Johnson in here in just a couple of minutes. Um, just while we do that, I want to give a quick shout out to some of our sponsors. Thanks to Not Auto Corp at Waverly and McGilvery. 
um, incredible sponsors of ours since day one. Why not get into the vehicle of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? You can find out more during the shutdown. Obviously, cars are an essential service. They will take you everything safely distanced and safe, but you can also check them out online at not.ca. And if you're in a vehicle where you're looking to get out, think about their consignment program to help you do that too. They've done that for many, many Winnipeggers. And of course, Boston Pizza, all the restaurants are closed right now. We cannot eat in, but we can support our local restaurants by taking out and ordering delivery. I had the pizza flights on Monday. They were amazing. Maybe some wings coming up for the game. Well, Remus has already eaten all the wings. I'll have to get them from Boston Pizza a little later on. Um, but all 11 Boston Pizzas still open. Support them. They've been great supporters of us. And as I say, the playoff pizza flight, that's the recommendation for this week. All right. Let's get to it. I'm so excited about this next interview. And again, if you're just tuning in right now, we have an amazing show. Cole Perfetti is going to join us a little later on. Mr. 1000, Paul Stastny in about half an hour. But right now, one of the, uh, the top journalists in the game, a great friend that we haven't had to talk to, been able to talk to for a while because of being on opposite sides of the corporate street. But what a great opportunity to welcome back Chris Johnson. You know him as Sportsnet's insider, at Reporter Chris on Twitter. CJ, what is up? Thanks so much for doing this. It's a pleasure to have you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Good to see you, brother. Everything, uh, Everything's good here. Just getting ready for the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. It's the same thing here around Winnipeg. Hey, first off, congratulations on all that running you were doing, raising some money, and uh, you managed to bang out that marathon a few weeks ago. How did it go? It, it went as well as it could go. I, I'm just glad I didn't make an ass of myself because uh, – Full disclosure, as soon as I went public that I was doing it, it made me a little bit more nervous that it uh, wasn't being done in private. But uh, went well. We we actually raised, I think, over $15,000 in the end for Conquer COVID-19 charity. And uh, you know, I, I survived the, the 42.2K. Well, you're looking like a million U.S. tax-free. It's been great for you. And uh, obviously, that's amazing what you're doing, raising that money. Let's talk some hockey right now. Obviously, we're here in Winnipeg on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, we've got lots of topics around the league and the North Division to get to. Um, Jets had a big win. We just spent 10 minutes talking about how different the feeling was coming out of last, thing, last night's game. Paul Stassi's 1,000, an explosion from the top line after a quiet um, period, but also a pretty concerning period where the Jets had played probably their worst over the entire season, but they're coming back. Just your thoughts on the Jets right now with one game left in the regular season, knowing that Edmonton's waiting next week. Well, I think that's a big win. And obviously there's, there's a couple ways to look at it. You can talk about everything Vancouver's been through and what does it really mean? They're not a playoff team, but I think given the way some things I'm sure locally there have been hanging over those guys to, to lose as often as they had in the way they had, you know, it's, it's nice to have fun at the rink again. And so, you know, I think getting, you know, maybe some, some individual slumps taken care of just to maybe have a more comfortable victory to score some goals, uh, which I know had been a challenge for the period beforehand. I mean, that, that to me is all good uh, heading into a playoff series. And, you know, the beauty for, for every team of course is, you know, we get this regular season, but, you know, as of a few days from now, everything's wiped away. The points, the, the way the regular season went itself doesn't really matter. And, and so, you know, I think it's good for the Jets to, to have something positive, uh, some good feelings heading into what, what will be an interesting series with Edmonton. You know, and the good feeling started before the puck even dropped last night with the uh, just a great ceremony for Paul Stastny that was, you know, probably missing a few more family and friends and certainly 15,000 Jets fans on their feet celebrating Stastny. But, um, I mean, you talk to people around the league. Just how respected is Paul Stastny? What did you hear yesterday about him when people were talking about the fact that he was playing game 1,000? 
Well, I love that they gave out the mini sticks to his kids. The, the, oh, the silver those were amazing. Sticks. I mean, what a touch. I, I've, I've never seen that before. It might have happened somewhere else prior, but that was a cool part of the ceremony, I thought. And, you know, really just uh, kind of a, a hockey nerd, you know, someone who, who's played the game in a cerebral way, thought the game in a smart way. You know, obviously his family lineage probably plays uh, a part in that. But, you know, it'd be hard to find someone more respected who's who's been around and played in multiple organizations. And really, I can't recall ever heard a bad, bad word about him, uh, which is a testament to the kind of teammate he's been. And, and, you know, for any player that gets to a thousand games, I think it's easy to, to take for granted maybe, but you, you've got to be pretty accomplished, pretty good for a long period of time to even have a chance to achieve that. And, you know, I think for, for Paul Stassi, it's, it's worked out well there uh, returning to Winnipeg this season and, hopefully we get the fans back in to properly fed them at some point sooner rather than later. Yeah, amen to that, Chris. Chris Johnson of Sportsnet with this here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, so moving on from the last game, I don't not really much to talk about on Friday. Um, although, I mean, you're quite close, you know, following the Leafs there. How do you expect both teams to handle that Friday game, Chris, with um, you know the fact they aren't playing each other? They know their matchups going forward. I mean, I think the worst thing that could possibly happen would be to have some sort of an injury. What sort of lineups you'll see on Friday? Uh, will we see starting goaltenders? Um, how do you see that going? Well, I think it could be two different approaches. From the Leafs end of things, actually, they've just activated Frederick Anderson. He's going to play for them tonight in Ottawa. But the result of that is they, they don't have cap flexibility. So basically, the Leafs are going to have to play their, their main roster unless someone gets injured tonight. Uh, in that game. And so, you know, I, I don't, you know, you're going to see a sort of NHL-ish lineup from Toronto. And, and you know, depending what happens in the next few days, they still have an outside chance potentially to win the President's Trophy. Uh, they need some help with Vegas and Colorado losing games. But, you know, if that's still a possibility come Friday, I think, you know, the Leafs will be pretty motivated. They've been open about wanting to finish as high up in the in the overall standings as they can. So, you know, I, I think you might have that perspective where it's a lineup looking a lot like their NHL lineup and potentially uh, a bit of a carrot dangling in front of them. Whereas, you know, I think from the Jets end, it's a more traditional, you know, maybe sit a few veterans, guys that have been nursing bumps and bruises, um, you know, just just make sure you're you're as rested as possible. I mean, it's it's a weird scenario, though, let's face it, because, you know, I think all the teams that are going moving on to the playoffs in the North Division would rather get started before middle to end of next week, but that's not going to be the possibility. And so that adds a, a little different wrinkle than a typical season because there is going to be a break between these, this final regular season game and when the playoffs actually get going up here. So that's what we should expect kind of mid to late next week for the North Division playoffs. They will kind of finish the Vancouver-Calgary series yet. We thought they might run it like a minor hockey tournament where you have like the consolation final at 10 a.m. and then you go to the, the main round later on. Um, but they'll, they'll wait for Vancouver and Calgary to get them in the books. Yeah, there were some teams and GMs pushing to start it sooner, but uh, I haven't seen the final schedule, but it sounds like at least one of the Kane series will start Wednesday, and I think the other will start Thursday, but I don't know which. I'm not even being coy, I I would tell you if I knew. Um, Chris, Edmonton-Winnipeg matchup. The the head-to-head series has not gone well for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, Two and seven this year. They lost the final six games. Um, you know, we've, we've talked already about the way they've looked kind of in this last month, despite, you know, some better defensive play in the game last night. Um, how do you see this matchup and maybe the keys for Winnipeg to do what really no one has done this year? And that's somewhat put the brakes on the Connor McDavid show. Yeah, I don't know if it's possible. I mean, you're trying to apply the brakes as much as you can. But, you know, let's face it, the, the guy has a bad night. And he still comes away with two points. Um, you know, everything's relative in this game. This is such a weird year, right? Because 
it's been all the interdivisional play. I mean, sometimes you arrive at the playoffs and the two teams meet each other. Maybe you haven't played in a couple months just through the quirks of the schedule. Certainly you haven't seen teams play nine and 10 times like they have in the North division uh, leading into a Stanley cup playoffs for, you know, basically since the original six days. And so I, I don't really know how it's going to play out. I, I, I don't know how much stock to put in those regular season games. I mean, obviously it's not nothing. Um, you know, the teams will be comfortable knowing what each other are trying to do. Uh, perhaps there's some chance to, to really throw a wrench in terms of an approach or, you know, the way you defend, maybe, you know, something you deploy on, on the specialty teams. You know, we might see a little bit more of, of the chess battle, I think, in, in these series, just because the teams do know each other so well and there's not that many secrets built in. But, you know, I think the key obviously is going to come down to some goaltending uh, from Winnipeg's end of things, uh, not to put even more on Connor Hellbuck's shoulders, but I think when you're going up against elite players, they're going to get some looks in the games. You know, it's just a, a matter of trying to limit that. And, and you know, Winnipeg's got some some guys that can score too. And, and so it'll be, uh, you know, trying to get those transition chances. I know the Jets do so well on and, and you know, finding the way through the series that way. You know, speaking of goaltending, Chris, in the Montreal-Toronto series, it, it, you know, there's been so much talk around the Leafs about the goaltending situation. Is it Jack Campbell? What's the story with Freddie Anderson? As you just mentioned, he's going to get a start against Ottawa, and we'll see what that means going forward. I guess from the Montreal side, I mean, it's basically just looking at that infirmary and seeing how many players they can get back in time for the playoffs. We heard that Gallagher, Price, Shea Weber have been skating. Um, I imagine these two teams, but especially the Montreal Canadiens from the Habs side of things could look significantly different when they get to game one than they have down this struggling stretch. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Brendan Gallagher is a huge part of what Montreal does. You know, he's been out for six weeks, give or take. Carey Price, we all know what he means to their team. They've even lost Philip Deneau here recently, and he's their main sort of shutdown centerman, you know, presuming that he's recovered from his concussion in time. He'll be a huge part of what they're trying to do when they're trying to shut down the Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner line. And then Shea Weber on top of that. I mean, you're basically top, talking about some of their absolute most important pieces. You know, I don't know what percentage we'll see those guys, but my guess is we're going to see all of them in this series. Um, you know, they, they, the Montreal Canadiens might be the exception here among the Canadian teams that, that are going on to the playoffs that they don't mind a bit of a break just because it is more time for, for those players to skate and get reintegrated into full practices and be ready to go. Uh, when their series starts. But, you know, I think that that's one thing Montreal is going to have to try to hang its hat on because much like you're referencing with Winnipeg and Edmonton, you know, the Canadians have not had a great run of success against the Leafs head to head. They've played four times in the last four or five weeks. Um, but, you know, it's not their full team and it's not the team that they're going to roll out for the game one of the playoffs. And they got to try to find their way through that. Chris Johnson of Sportsnet with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, let me let me ask you this, just I guess generally about the whole coaching situation in the league. Um, you know, there's Columbus, there's Arizona, Buffalo is still has you know a coaching, and I know you reported that they're now getting into it. And then there's the Seattle Kraken. Um, maybe start off with the Seattle situation, where they're at right now, and how much of the uh, the the Congratulations on three years tweet from the Carolina Hurricanes and Rod Brindamore was a screwball to everyone that has been paying attention to his situation as it might pertain to a new home for Rod the Bod. Yeah, I really don't believe Brindamore is going to move on. What's interesting is that if he wanted to, and again, I don't believe he does, there's definitely teams, Seattle would be one of them. I think even the Rangers would have some interest in Rod Brindamore if he were to hit the open market. 
you know, we, we saw that tweet last Saturday through a couple of us off, Elliot Friedman and myself among them, you know, because we do know that the sides had been working on a three-year extension. And so I, I think it was all harmless, actually. I don't think anyone was trying to play. No one was trolling anyone on purpose, but kind of collided there. Um, this is a strange coaching market, though, because on top of the teams you mentioned, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen with Travis Green in Vancouver. You know, Dominic Ducharme in Montreal is still an interim head coach. I mean, you could have seven, even eight teams potentially in the market for a head coach at the same time. And I think that's how Seattle got to where it is today, is that, you know, when Ron Francis, you know, I, I know at some point he talked to Gerard Gallant. Um, might have done the same with Bruce Boudreaux. Like he's, he's kind of dabbled around the coaching market, but I think he recognized that, uh, there, there was going to be this kind of turnover and that they were probably wise to, to wait out this season and see kind of where all the chairs fall when the music stops here. And so, you know, I think Seattle will, will make a hiring pretty quickly along with these other teams. There's a bit of a scramble now, especially if you have your, your eye on one candidate. Um, but you know, they, they didn't see any reason to pay someone for a year to, to, to prepare along with them. I think that it, it makes sense to bring someone in now. And, and by doing so, you know, whether it's someone like Rick Tockett, who's just become available in Arizona, I could see a fit uh, for him there. Or, you know, maybe Travis Green becomes available and wants to move a little bit south from Vancouver. So, you know, I think Seattle's sort of waiting in the wings, ready to pounce, but that they've been uh, been wise to be patient given, you know, how much turnover we've seen in, in those head coaching jobs. Chris, do you think that because of the economic situation so many teams are in and the fact that there seems to be so many potential open coaching spots that we might see a real influx of new first-year coaches that you know will be getting their first opportunity but might not be getting paid like the elite top-tier coaches in the NHL? There'll be some element of that for sure. You know, I think that, that Arizona's, you know, already fairly committed to going that way. You know, I think Buffalo's a little bit of a wild card. I don't have a great feel on what they're going to do yet, but, you know, Kevin Adams has said he, he wants to cast a wide net here, that he wants to maybe talk to some candidates that, that haven't made it. You know, even Seattle, uh, as much as I sort of linked them to some of the known quantities, you know, when you look at the other hirings they've made in their organization, they, they've not been afraid to, I don't know if go outside the box is the best way to put it, but they, they've certainly, you know, cast a wider net with their hiring decisions at, at other positions. And I could see them doing the same again uh, with the coach. And so, you know, I think that that's part of it. It's, it's, the, the modern day realities, I mean, this pandemic has changed the way a lot of us are doing business. And, you know, I think that it's it's only natural that it goes to NHL teams. And, and I think that partly explains how we've got here, where you've had a couple of coaches and teams do that mutually, uh, what, okay, a mutual parting of the ways. I think a lot of that's really around money. I mean, in the old days, you would either extend that coach or fire him a year out. But, uh, you know, the business of hockey is changing along with the, the, the world in this year. Um, Chris, you know, we still talk in Winnipeg about the end of the 2019 season after the Jets lost to the Blues. Yeah, just it was sort of a bad vibe around the club. And the end of season interviews um, really, I think, sort of told the story. And we always talk about those as, you know, sort of the low bar for, you know, disappointed players. Then there was what happened in Buffalo this week. I mean, that was on a whole nother level. And, you know, players like Sam Reithart and Aristolainen, who essentially said, get me out of here, almost didn't even get any ink because all of the oxygen got sucked up by Jack Eichel. I mean, maybe if you could touch on the Eichel situation and everything that Kevin Adams has on his plate after a disastrous season. You know, with, with Buffalo, like, I think we should understand what those players have been through, right? I mean, this organization 
has been a bit of a disaster, uh, you know, predating the current administration running it. And those players have been around for a long time. And so, you know, the sense I have is that we could be looking at a Buffalo Sabres team next year that doesn't include Jack Eichel, that doesn't include Sam Reinhardt, that doesn't include Rasmus Ristolainen. I think that there's an understanding maybe that it might, you know, enough might be enough with some of those players that they might have to, to move them along and transition to the, the next young group and, and try to get whatever young assets they can into, I don't know if it's a rebuild, a retool, whatever you, you want to call it, frame it as. Um, but definitely you got the sense of those guys had had enough. And, you know, I, I think it's only natural, honestly. It's, it's no one person's fault, but that organization has just not done a good enough job at every level. And, you know, when you talk about athletes, I mean, Jack Eichel said it himself. He's you know been in the league six years. He hasn't had a chance to to really accomplish anything on the team level, to play in the playoffs, to, to be part of the, you know, when the games matter the most. And, and so I think it, it does make sense that, that you know, it, maybe a, a fresh start for him and the others would make some sense. And, you know, I, I got the feeling from listening to Kevin Adams' media availability that he he didn't come out and say it, but he, he kind of led you there that he agrees with that assessment. What um what would it take for a Eichel trade to make sense for the Buffalo Sabres? I mean, they're not in a great position, but again, the no trade hasn't kicked in. I mean, it could be worse for Kevin Adams, I guess. I think for it to make sense, it's got to be like an insane deal. Um, you know, in in the cap era, to trade a player who's only twenty four, who is a bona fide number one center, basically every team in the league. I guess unless he went to Edmonton or something, maybe he's the number two behind McDavid. But you, you understand the, the the sentiment. He signed for five more years. Yes, it's a big number, but it's it's probably a fair number looking at his career trajectory. I mean, you're giving up. It's got to be it's got to be a massive package, you know. <laughs> like we're talking three or four first rounders type of thing. I think you know that kind of almost something we've never seen certainly in the salary cap era. Uh, but I, I do think a team will make that trade. I really do, just because players like Eichel are not available often. They're not traded often. And there's enough organizations that are in a good spot missing that kind of dynamic piece that I think will be incentivized to to step up once the auction begins. Hey, Chris, thank you so much for doing this. We uh, had to jump in and out a couple times, but it was an absolute pleasure having you on. Enjoy the playoffs, and hopefully we can do this again sometime. Uh, love your work, and it was great to talk to you again now that uh, – now that I'm an independent contractor and can hook up with our old pals on the other side of the street. I love that in a lot of ways, man. Keep it going, and uh, you know, I wish you all the best. Right on. Thanks so much, CJ. There he is, Chris Johnson. Give him a follow if you haven't already, at Reporter Chris on Twitter. Um, he is, along with Elliot Friedman, uh, the Sportsnet insider. Um, and, uh, you know, I got a chance to meet Chris right when he was cutting his teeth coming out of CP through Gary about 10 years ago. And been amazing to see his career and what he's been able to do um, going forward. I see the hacks in here right now. I'll give a shout out to our friends at Royal Sports. Look at this weather, folks. Uh, I know you maybe can't spend some time with indoor dining or anything like that, but you can spend time outdoors right now. And uh, Royal Sports is your one-stop shop for all things spring, summer to get outside and dominate your time out of the home. Um, whether it's their expanded fitness center, all the bike selection that continues to come in on a weekly basis, skateboarding, camping, or disc golf, which is going to be the sport of the summer. They've got it all for you. We're going to plan a little disc golf event once we can actually get together outside. But in the meantime, pop down 650 Rally in EK or 750 Pemina Highway. 
That is the Royal Sports Superstore. Pop down, tell them your boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you. And, of course, it is playoff time. No bigger selection of licensed merchandise for all your local teams and all the teams in the league than at Royal as well. So they're your playoff headquarters as well. And, of course, Nick and Nikki DQ, Dairy Queen Niverville, Dairy Queen Northgate, Polo Park, and St. Anne's. Incredible supporters of ours here at Winnipeg Sports Talk. Nick and Nikki still running their two-for-five-dollar special, treat special after 8 o'clock. And I can tell you, my parents had their anniversary on Tuesday. Once again, happy anniversary, Mom and Dad. How did they celebrate? Well, with the DQ cake, of course. Make that special occasion a little sweeter with the DQ cake. You can hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba to get your order started. Um, That was great stuff with Chris Johnson. If you're just joining us right now, we are just getting going. This is going to be one of the best, biggest Winnipeg sports talks yet because coming up in about five minutes or so, we're expecting to be joined by Mr. 1000 himself, Paul Stastny. And a little later on in the program, we'll discuss the first year as a pro for Cole Perfetti, who just finished up with the Manitoba Moose and is going on to play for Canada at the World Championships. Before we do that, let's get Michael Remus back in here. And Reem, um, it was uh, it was a challenging interview with Chris, but I was quite amazed at how quickly we were able to get him back when we dropped him. And that may have been, I think he may have been doing it on the phone, which um, was maybe just a straight-up connection issue. Uh, I don't think this has anything to do with you or the wings you ate before the show. No, it's, I, think, I think it's fine. Um, you know, navigating a couple things... Uh, you know, technology, everyone's dealing with it. Uh, so we got it sorted out. Enough about that, though. Some great information uh, from Chris. Uh, always great uh, connecting with him. We used to have him on all the time. And uh, and then we weren't able to, and now we can have him on again. It's great. Yeah, the, um, you know, the, the, the Seattle job is so interesting. I mean, you remember what Vegas did. They did things in a very different way. They got things set up a long time in advance. They worked through that first year. I mean, Seattle's now going into the period of an expansion draft without a coach yet. And, you know, it's a bit of a different process. They've obviously got a very experienced hockey man and Ron Francis running the show. Um, but I was quite interested. You know, we have heard the name Rick Tockett. But Reem, to me, I mean, until I hear that Rod the Bot is signed, sealed, and delivered to the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, you'd have to think that if he was available, that is the first choice, I would think, of Ron Francis, considering the incredible job he's done with the Hurricanes. He could very likely be. In fact, I'd have to say right now, he's probably the favorite for the Jack Adams. Okay, so let's go back to the weekend. Um, So the Hurricanes tweeted out, Three more years for Rod Brindamore. And then everyone thought that meant that uh, he had signed. And then they're like, oh, no, it means he's been coaching here for three years. Is that, is that yeah. what happened? Well, they I didn't thought... put more in. They put, like, happy three years, yeah. Coach Brindamore. And everyone thought, oh, wow, they just, this, they're just they announcing a three-year extension for Brindamore because they had been working on it behind the scenes. And yeah. then a little later along, actually, you know, this is the three-year anniversary when they hired Rod Brindamore. Okay. He is not signed, sealed, and delivered. And, yeah, it was a bit of a screwball. From I'm not sure whether the Canes were trying to do that or having a little fun with it or whether they've got the deal done and they're waiting to announce it. Uh, but it it did have some people scurrying, wondering what was up. And certainly I think Ron Francis was happy to find out that it wasn't, in fact, signed, sealed, and delivered. 
Yeah, wow. Um, I, I like Rod. I, I liked him uh, when he was a player, and uh, you know he's always uh, you know the fittest guy on the team, and I think he's brought that mentality to the Hurricanes. They're kind of you know flying a bit under the radar when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs. They were my pick last year. Uh, they lost to the Bruins. So I think uh, they, you know, they have a shot. Um, one thing for them, Dougie Hamilton's uh, UFA, and he's like number one on Frank Cervalli's uh, free agent list. So we'll wait and see. I am curious to see how the teams um, approach this expansion draft because you had last time teams bending over. Here, Vegas, take two players so you don't select <laughs> one guy. Um, Minnesota. <laughs> the Florida uh, model. <laughs> yeah, Florida as well. Saying here, take uh, take two two guys, and then uh, I mean uh, Columbus giving up uh, William Carlson didn't work out for them either. So um, I'm sure I wonder if teams will just be like, you know what, just take your guy. We're gonna lose a guy. Just pick one. We're not gonna give you two. And so we'll see we'll see how teams what side deals are worked out because there were a lot of you know Minnesota uh, who they lose Tuck and um, someone else, and uh, yes, of course, how we could forget Riley Smith and uh, Marcheseau. Uh, Tuck and Halla, sorry, Halla was very good for them in the first year. Yeah, the they were they were worried about losing one of their young defensemen, so they ended up doing yeah. that. And Alex Tuck then signed a pretty good value long term deal with the Vegas Golden Knights. He's had injury issues, but I'll tell you what, he will likely be a um, a pretty impactful player for them coming up in the um, in the postseason. All right. Um, Quickly, I have to let you know a couple things. Uh, Darren Dunn is going to join us on Monday for the program because Monday is the first day of live racing at Assiniboia Downs. We will do a little Preakness preview on Friday's show with Kirk Contois, but circle your calendar. Live racing is back, albeit with no fans, Monday for Assiniboia Downs, and you can get ready to bet for the Preakness at Assiniboia Downs Live Racing and everything around the world on the track at hpibet.com. Dot com. So we'll look forward to doing that and should mention to you, I mean, our great friends at Little Brown Jug have a lot going on right now. If you're buying beer at any of the bottle stops right now, they still have that 1919 fridge giveaway. You can scan your QR code to enter at one of five locations attached to Canada Inns. When you're doing it, make sure to check out the new beers. This is the Summer Lager. Doing a bit better job of that. This is the Hefeweizen. Shout out to Jeff Wozniak, who actually tweeted in, just picked up a case of this and is in love with it. Yeah, you can get it on home delivery. Find out more about that. Um, and if you're out and about gardening guy, um, you can kill two birds with one stone. They'll be at the Ron Paul Garden Center this Saturday, 11 to 3. Uh, you can order at littlebrownjug.ca and select pickup at Ron Paul in the cart. And uh, if you're stopping by for some gardening supplies, why not order some LBJs after the hard work in the gardener yard this beautiful weekend? All right. So fired up for this. As I mentioned, Cole Perfetti is going to join us a little later on, but it's an absolute pleasure to welcome in Jets forward and Mr. 1000, Paul Stastny. We got the 1000 in the background. This is a heck of a setup, Paul. Congratulations. How are you? Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, you know what? I'm doing well. I think everyone in Winnipeg, whether you're associated with the team or just a fan, uh, probably feeling a lot better last night after um, just a great team win looking into the playoffs. But I think the tone was really set right off the bat with that wonderful ceremony the Jets put on for, for you and the family. A lot of great memories for fans. I can't imagine what that was like for you to be a part of, Paul. Yeah, it was. I mean, you know, it was first class all the way. I think. Uh, I had expectations to know. I don't know. You kind of expectations, but then you don't know, right? With no fans there, and 
you know, they nailed it. I think from day one, since I've been in this organization, everything's been first class. The way I've been treated, the way my family and kids have been treated, and the way they do everything kind of behind the scenes. And I think uh, for your fans out there that don't really see it, got to see it yesterday firsthand. And um, yeah, just very, very blessed, very thankful to, to reach that milestone, have my family with me, and to do it with the Winnipeg Jets. You know, speaking of your family, your kids looked so cute with the jean jackets and your boy with that little custom hat. I think some fans want to get their hands on one of those to help celebrate 1,000. But the coup de grace had to be the mini silver sticks. I mean, you play 1,000 games in the NHL. They give you this beautiful silver stick. And even right now in our chat, everyone's talking about the sticks that your kids got last night, Paul. How did that go over with the youngins? Yeah, they loved it. I think... uh... My wife was saying, you know, that, that my son was like playing mini sticks, you know, later that night. And, and even today, you know, still using that stick. I'm like, all right, maybe he doesn't want to, don't want to scratch the floors or, or, you know, put a hole in the wall. But if, you know, that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Uh, yeah, you know, you, you, you see different things when different guys hit 1,000. It doesn't happen often. I think, you know, if you look, it probably happens three, four, five times a year. Um, now you might see it more often just because guys come in at 18 and play, you know, at such an early age. But I didn't know what to expect. I, you know, I knew my wife would get flowers, and then I was just hoping the kids, you know, would have a good time. And then when I, I found out they were having the silver sticks, I think uh, made me jealous and made everyone else jealous. And I think that's such a, such a cool touch that the Winnipeg Jets got to do. Yeah, well, Dad still got the big one and earned every inch of that silver stick. It was um, it was a great way to start things off, and I think the team really responded. Uh, before we talk about the game, though, um, it, what was it like hearing from you know all those former players that you know you went to war with that had so much respect for you um, from all of your teams popping in to say uh, their own congrats, even though they uh, you know now are opponents when uh, when you're getting out uh, after it on the ice. Yeah, that's that's uh very like humbling and flattering um i think that you know that's those are the words that mean the most are are the people you look up to your peers uh people that were your mentors growing up whether it's it's family members whether it's it's teammates that were older than you or whether it's teammates that you try to help out that are younger than me um those are the guys a lot of those guys that talk are guys i I respect the way they play the game i respect the way they carry themselves off the ice. So when they do say nice things, you know, it means a lot. And uh, like I said, I, I think my, my wife and I are very low key people. I think we, we would rather, you know, help people and then kind of stay out of the limelight than be in the limelight. But um, you know, it's nice sometimes, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's very overwhelming. And, and like I said, we're very blessed with how many good friends we have, how many people that, you know, have been affected by this or, or know us through hockey and, and, you know, hockey's been in my blood my whole life, and yesterday and even today, I mean, it, the outpouring we've gotten on Instagram or text messages all day, even my wife, even my mom, it just it just shows you how, how you know small world it is and how much an impact you can have on people, not just what you do on the ice, what you do off the ice. Paul Stastny is with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily just after completing his 1,000th game in the National Hockey League in that big 5-1 win for the Jets last night at Bell MTS Place. Just before we get to the team and looking ahead, I wanted to ask you, Paul, about you know being a kid, growing up as you know part of a legendary worldwide hockey family. I mean, we all remember your, your father along with his brothers playing in the NHL. Like when you were a kid, like six, seven years old, I mean, how much did that resonate with you? Did you always literally sort of just grow up at the rink? And, um, you know, for being someone with European roots, what was it like being sort of a first generation American son of uh, an NHL legend? Yeah, it's 
you know, when you're that young, you don't even know any better or any different. Right. And, uh, I think it was just in our bloodlines. I think my brother and I would always kind of want to be on the ice, you know, kind of follow my dad, but it was different then too, because now, uh, you know, you have a lot more access as kids to get to the game, to sit, you know, on the glass for warm ups. Uh, the wives are different, right? The kids are involved a lot more than they were back then. And maybe they might've been, but it was different too. Cause you know, I was the youngest of four and we're all, you know, from the oldest to youngest we're six years apart. So it was probably a handful for my mom. Uh, but yeah, they they never, it was just, you know, for us, it was always just go out there and enjoy, have fun and be yourself. Right. They never, you know, my dad, my uncles, it was never about the, the stats name. It's just about kind of modeling yourself and then, you know, carry yourself the right way and make that stats name, you know, be proud of it, have a lot of pride in it. But if it, goes a long ways in hockey if it doesn't it doesn't matter it's not who they care that it's more about the way we're raised and, and the way we are and the the values that were kind of brought upon us I, I gotta ask you about the start of your nhl career because Murata tash who's a great friend of ours did a great long read in the athletic and talking to some of the people that you played with and grew up with and you know he mentioned and i think a lot of people wouldn't know this i mean you were you know star drafted at the university of denver and then moved over to the Avalanche and were still essentially, you know, staying at your old dorm and what? Just tell us about making your NHL debut in the city that you were playing college hockey that you had so many roots in. Yeah, I mean, that's just, I think, I mean, I was just lucky, right? I, I obviously played at University of Denver. That was my first year was the year of the lockout. So then Colorado probably got to see me play a lot more in other teams just because it was right down the street. So I think that was kind of a blessing in disguise, you know, for the lockout to happen that year and then to get drafted by Colorado. Then my sophomore year, I kind of made a big jump. Um, I, I, honestly, it was different then because my after my sophomore year, my dad, my agent, and myself kind of talked, and we knew, you know, I had to make the jump to the professional ranks. So whether it was NHL or NHL, didn't matter. We just, for me to keep developing as a player, I had to play against like better, stronger players because I was going to get put. You know, you can only play one level so much before you quick getting better and uh, especially at development age and so we we almost reached out to Colorado you know saying we're ready to make the jump so when I went to training camp I had no expectations of making the team um, and then even when I did make the team I didn't I don't think Joel uh, Quinville ever told me to get an apartment I just I was so naive that I was thinking like you know my dad's every day is like did you get the message like to go get an apartment this or that so I kind of just stayed in my apartment there on campus with, with uh, my teammate Peter Menino and then he thought I was leaving, so then, you know, Joey Mullins get Patrick Mullen, ended up staying there too. So at one time, we had three of us shacking up, and then I think halfway through the year, I finally got my own apartment. Yeah, right beside a Taco Bell, we hear. Uh, a real love. Did you have any uh, Did you have any uh, uh, tacos last night after uh, 1,000? No, no, no. I think everything was closed. So I just got home. You know, I got to spend some time with the wife before the kids fell asleep. And then, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll celebrate after the season, you know, when – when things kind of settle down and everyone can get together. Cause to us, it's not, it's not about myself or, or my family, you know, or my wife. I think it's more about like the supporting cast and everyone that kind of did their thing to help us, you know, put me in this position. And I'm very thankful and very blessed to have all those uh, family members and friends around me that kind of pushed me and helped me become who I am. Well, you and the rest of the team sure got the job done last night. Let's talk quickly about that 5 nothing win over Vancouver. Explosion from the top line. Shout out from Connor Hellebuck. And it seems like the team overall, Paul, is doing more of the things that they need to that really you talked about in depth after the loss to Edmonton a couple weeks to prepare for the playoffs. How do you feel about last night's game and the way that you and the Jets are trending going into a series against Edmonton? 
Yeah, even the last like couple of games, I thought were good. Like, yeah, we might have made like one or two mistakes, and that kind of went against us. And that's the way it was kind of going. Where like we had so many chances, nothing was going in. We'd give up one kind of not even a great A chance and go in. You know, and sometimes that can get frustrating. But I think you just got to stick with it, and eventually it'll start going in. And you know, yeah, we won five nothing. Top line was scoring, but all the other lines were creating a lot of chances. I think we're we know what we have to do defensively through the neutral zone to play our game. And now it's about like kind of fine tweaking things offensively, but almost like sticking with it too, because, you know, Appleton yesterday had three breakaways, you know, if I score is late, but like, you know, he has five, six grade eight chances like that throughout the playoffs, you know, two or three could go in, but the way things have been going in the last couple of weeks, it wasn't going our way, but I don't think we, we didn't really hang our heads. I think, yeah, we were pissed off and the next day we get back to work. And I think Paul does a good job of kind of sending message about, um, you know, don't get, don't get too caught up in the highs and lows because that's playoff hockey, right? So if you have a bad game, you got to forget, you get, you know, you're pissed off that night, you forget about it. And the next day you go right back to work. Cause uh, no one, no one remembers or cares about what happened in the game before only in playoffs. It really is, you know, that, that game, that present day moment is really what matters. And I think uh, we're, we're taking the right steps. I think we're confident in what we're doing. And um, you know, Friday's game will be, it's kind of a weird game, you know, because it's kind of a meaningless game for both teams. So you just hope you get, you know, you do some good things right, and then both teams stay healthy before playoff starts. Um, and of course, then next week is the Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. Um, You've played, you know, against you know many of the greats of this generation. Um, talk to us just for a minute about the challenge of going up against the Edmonton Oilers, and in specifically trying to trying to you know hold down number ninety seven and number twenty nine. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to stop them, right? You just got you want to limit their chances. So, um, but, but it's tough when you play game kind of game breakers or superstar players like that because you know they, they can do nothing all game and all of a sudden have one shift in the third period and, and score two goals, and that's the difference, you know, between winning and losing. But same time, I think you know we know what they have, but also we got a lot of game breakers in our team. So I know we want to focus on kind of almost playing a five man like team defense against them. You can't really. There's no one guy who's going to shut down anybody, right? You got to do it as kind of a committee of five. And even if it's not five, it's almost three, four lines where we got to be smart about it, you know, know what to do when the certain guys are out there. Um, but obviously, special teams are going to be really important. I feel like the games that we won or lost against Edmonton this year, some of those games, five on five, were pretty even. And they might have had the upper hand in special teams or another game we had the upper hand in special teams. I think when it comes to playoff hockey, you know, the games are a lot more, are a lot more. Or a lot less scoring, and I think special teams really makes a difference, whether it's early in the game or late in the game. I, I, I know. I mean, the, the coaches will be have you guys well prepared. I know there'll be lots of video. Um, you do have a lot of game, a lot of body of work against this club this year. Yeah. I mean, things change throughout the season. Um, you know, the last number of games haven't gone well for the team. Is the season series something that you completely put in the rearview mirror and don't think about, or is that something that you really do spend a lot of time on to learn what didn't go well to give you a better chance for a better result come playoff time? Yeah, I think this year is unique because we played them uh, nine times, I think, or eight or nine or ten times every team. So really, like you said, normally you have a lot of video going to playoffs. I feel like this year you don't need it because we play them early in the year, middle of the year, end of the year, and I mean, I can remember the last four or five games, what worked, what didn't work, uh, what needs to change, and what things we need to harp on. And so, in that sense, it's kind of nice because you know exactly what every team brings, you know, at least for the first two rounds, and so does every team in, in the NHL going to the playoffs. Um, and it feels like every time we, we every time we play a team, I think Paul always has a good message about, like, okay, well, 
this is the things we have to change if we do end up playing Toronto or Edmonton. This is, you know, this is stuff in the last two weeks that we've been harping, harping on that. Once we clinched that playoff spot, we knew we were going to play one of those two teams. A lot of the things we try to do in our game is to be ready for when we do play potentially Edmonton or Toronto. Now that we play Edmonton, we, we know the things we know things that we want to adjust in our game plan, things that we want to bring forward to be successful. Paul, I've got to ask you about one teammate in particular, both for what he does for you guys on the ice, but also just the unique character that he is. Um, you've played all around the league. You've played with stars. You've played with great goalies. You've played against great goalies. Tell us about what Connor Hellebuck brings to your team as far as, you know, just that confidence level that he gives you guys on the ice. And maybe talk about him as an individual, because I have to say he's the maybe the most interesting interview every single time because there doesn't seem to be a filter. He shoots as straight as it comes, and maybe that's a goalie thing as well. Yeah, he, uh, of all the guys, I think from when I was here three years ago to now, I think he he's changed. I don't say he's changed that much, but I, I've seen his demeanor change where he's almost gotten into a point where, like, he just worries about himself, you know, and, and if we have a bad night and we're absolutely horrendous and he lets in 10 goals, he shoulders all the blame. He'll never blame any of us. When some nights I'm like, Hey, you can, you know, that's on us. And, you know, he never takes that demeanor. He knows, he knows it comes with territory of being a goalie, but I think all he wants to do is win, you know, and I think that's the best part about him. It's, it's, if we all know he's a top two, top three, I mean, one of the Vesna is a top goalie in this league on any given night. And I think that gives us the confidence to play a different style knowing that we have him in the back. But day in, day out, I think he's been so even keel. And in the locker room, after a big win, after a loss, you know, we know where we're going to get out of him. Uh, he's very consistent. And, you know, yeah, he's made a few mistakes this year. But that's nothing. I mean, everyone makes way more mistakes than that, you know. And then sometimes, you know, because it's a goalie, right? It's like a pitcher in baseball. Like, everyone focuses on that. But he he's kind of like that calming presence for us. And that's what you need as, as I guess, a leader when you're, you know, you're the last man you know, to kind of backstop everything. I think we kind of see the way he is and how cool and calm collective he is. And I think we can just, we kind of just feel that vibe of him and kind of roll with it. Uh, Paul Stastny with this year on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, coming off 1,000 games in the National Hockey League and getting the silver stick. Um, Paul, I, I just before we go, I've got to ask you, I and mean, we'll be talking all about the playoffs and everything going forward, but from, from just a, a veteran's perspective, I mean, you've now got 1,000 games in. How weird has this year been like for you, your teammates, and maybe just kind of if you could give the fans a little bit of a an eye behind what life has been like for you playing in empty buildings, staying together the whole time. And um, I'm sure you're thankful to be able to continue to work and, and do all that. But I, I imagine this has been just sort of like a twilight zone for you for the last 12 or 13 months. Yeah, it's I mean, it's been like a groundhog day. Like I said, it's it's. I could look at the negatives or the positives. It's nice that we're playing. It's nice around the teams. Uh, sometimes I feel it's, it's tough for, you know, our wives or girlfriends or the kids. Um, you know, you want to make it, obviously they want us to be comfortable. You know, myself, I want them to be comfortable. Um, you, you just miss interacting with people. You miss going to hotels. And when we're in Vancouver, they're in the season, you know, we'd see people outside. You'd see people in the lobby and you're like, oh, this is kind of getting back to normal. And, you realize like you can do all these zoom calls, you know, with the media, we do zoom calls with media, but sometimes you just miss kind of hang out with guys, not talking hockey and really getting to know other people. And I think that's the one thing that we all take for granted. And I think once, you know, things do get back to normal, you realize how much you miss that. And 
it, 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 we're almost used to living this life right now, and it, that sucks. But um, when we get back to it, whether it's you really appreciate those friendships you make with people and just communicate communicate with other people. I think we're meant to to be around other people that makes us better people. And sometimes you get locked down so much, you, you start living in this bubble a little bit, and you start overthinking things. You start getting paranoid. You start having anxiety, and then. I think when you get out and just see other people and just relax with and talk about life and not just hockey itself, you know, then it just, you know, makes you less stressful and lets you enjoy life a little more. But um, it, it comes with the challenges. I think we're happy we're going to play. We knew it was going to be a weird year like that. And, uh, yeah, that, that's been the, the one thing is, like, a lot of times all the cities we've gone to when we stay at that hotel, we're basically the only ones at that hotel. So it's kind of like a very eerie feeling, kind of like a zombie land <laughs> kind of presence to it. But, you know, it comes with the territory. Well, um, fingers crossed we get these shots going, and uh, soon we'll have fans back in the building. Um, I know all Jet fans missed the opportunity to celebrate 1,000 with you last night and give you that very deserved standing ovation, but chances that the hopes are that you know we'll have a lot more Jets hockey to talk about in the weeks and months to come, and there will be plenty of those standing O's coming forward. Um, Paul, we've just been hearing nonstop for the last couple of days um, how much you know people appreciate what you've done in the National Hockey League, it was pretty obvious last night how appreciative the Winnipeg Jets are of your contributions. We're hearing it from the fans not stop. Just thank you again. Congratulations on 1,000, and uh, best of luck when you and your teammates go up against the Oilers in the playoffs next year. We can't wait. Yep, thank you very much, and obviously hope to be talking to you not just next week, but in the, you know next five, six, seven, eight weeks coming forward. Hey, thanks so much, Paul. We appreciate it. Good luck. All right, thanks. Bye. There he is, Mr. 1000 himself, Paul Stassi, joining us live on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, that was awesome. And, and you know, I think everyone, most people probably with us today watching um, last night, um, you know, you heard Paul's interview with Sarah and Paul's interview afterwards. And maybe he was a little bit more introspective just because of what a big day it was for him. But it was some of the longest, most thoughtful answers that, you know, honestly, most times now today in pro sports, especially with the lack of, you know, real, as Paul mentioned, sort of face-to-face contact, you don't get. And um, ah, he was just phenomenal. We can't thank him enough. Thanks to Scott and the guys over at the Jets for helping us set that up today. And um, I know a lot of fans happy to hear from Paul Stastny. And certainly want to give the chance for us to, you know, once again, wish him well on 1,000. And here's to many, many more. Um, certainly, Remus, um, I think it's pretty safe to say that the, uh, you know, when you hear from people, anybody around the club, anyone that's worked with Paul Stastny, and certainly when you hear from fans, the return of Paul Stastny has been a huge win this year for the Winnipeg Jets. And I think there's a lot of people that hope, fingers crossed, that there's more years of Paul Stastny as a member of the Winnipeg Jets to come after this one. Yeah, as a UFA after this year, and a lot of people in chat, uh, Jeff Gabillis, that was awesome. Uh, Rob says, hope he's back. Uh, Michael in chat says, awesome interview. So well spoken. And he gives an honest perspective uh, on the game. And, um, you know, again, great, seems like a great guy all around. Uh, so well respected. And that ceremony, uh, I agree. Is it, maybe the turning point of the season has, I, it really that's did it. bring, at least for last night. I mean, it brought the team together, that's for sure. And they were able to get a win. Even though on Monday, I thought they played very well, but they got goalied. Last night, uh, the pucks went, were going in the back of the net, and that first line was clicking. But as, as Paul mentioned, I mean, even Appleton, number of chances, and finally, you know, he got one at the end. But uh, I think he definitely, you know, you hear that leadership in all, all the interviews. And, um, you know, that's why he's so, so well-respected. Also loves uh, Taco Bell. 
uh, which, is, <laughs> yeah. which is a footnote. I, I didn't want to spend too much time on that, but it was quite funny in Marat's article. Uh, by the way, Marat popped in. Shout out to Marat, one of our favorites here. Marat the Hammer here. A lot of the, lot of the yeah. bigwigs of the media popping in to hear what Paul Stastny has yeah. to say. Marat Love actually, having you guys on the program. He texted me during the show, and um, you know he said that Stasny had like six hundred dollars worth of Taco Bell at his wedding for like the <laughs> late night snack. I thought, I thought you know at my wedding we had uh, like can- we went to Bulk Bar and just like got a ton of candy. I thought that was awesome. Taco Bell's like another level. So um, you know I just like one thing this year. He said they'll have a big celebration uh, when we're more able to. But uh, the celebration was definitely going on at, at the arena last night. And again, a well-done ceremony. I love, I love to see these uh, mini-stick games with the, <laughs> with the silver stick. Those are the most famous mini-sticks in hockey right now. I yeah. don't think there's any other way that, I mean, that, like, what, else could, what else could compare? Silver sticks presented for an NHLer's 1,000th game to their little kids? I mean, uh, Jets nailed that nailed that ceremony out of the park. Um, and what the best part of last night was then it wasn't just the organization. It was the guys in the team that knocked it out of the park with, with a win, as we said, Reem, that this team absolutely needed to get. And it wasn't just getting the win it was the way that they won it were the things the things that they did in both ends and I know the coach's focus has been on defense and what they're doing in their own end and I thought that was good last night but as I've said many times this team can play as great defensively as they want if they're scoring one goal a game Ed ain't gonna cut it and man to have Wheeler explode with a four-point night to see Mm -hmm. Connor get on the board Shifley as well um, that really was exactly, it seemed, what the, hopefully what the doctor ordered. And we can maybe be talking about this game as a real springboard to uh, what the Jets have coming up next week with the Oilers. Yeah, speaking of the doctor, uh, we haven't even touched on a Blake Wheeler confirming a report in Paul Maurice as well that Wheeler had cracked, cracked ribs at the beginning of the season. And it's funny, I remember we were talking about how his play and his numbers were not looking great. And we had suspected an injury, and we finally had the confirmation yesterday. It's, he seemed to be looking healthy, uh, healthy last night, scoring four points. Um, you know, you have to wonder. You know, I know Marat was asking if he was hurt. You know, why were you playing him so much? And they had their own uh, reasons for that. But as far as looking ahead to next week in the playoffs, uh, nice to know that he can put that injury behind him and continue uh, leading the top line and leading the team as well. Yeah, no, it's, um, listen, we're, we'll talk more about that a little later on. There were some interesting post-game conversations with the guys, Kenny and Rennie, on that um, coming forth. Um, listen, the um, Byron Nelson starting off today. We'll get to that maybe a little bit later on, but always want to shout out our uh, great golf sponsor, Breezy Bend Country Club. People still getting out on the course, doing it safely right now, although we won't. It'll be a few weeks before we can enjoy the best patio in golf. But if you are thinking about um, getting into you know, one of the great both golf social clubs in the city, Breezy Bend. Find out more. They've got a waiting list going on for next year. You can find out more at breezybend.ca. All right, we will get to Cool Bet Lines a little bit later on, but coming off Paul Stastny and Chris Johnson, it is an absolute pleasure to welcome in Moose Forward and Jets first-rounder Cole Perfetti to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily for the first time. Cole, what's going on? Great to have you on the program. Hey guys, how are you? Thanks for having me on. 
Uh, things are well. At, the atmosphere around Winnipeg a lot better. A big night last night. Paul Stastny gets a thousand games. Big win for the Winnipeg Jets. Excitement of playoffs going forward. So I think a lot of Jet fans are pretty fired up. I will say this though, Moose fans have been feeling that way for a little while. What a run you and your team have been on. I mean, before we talk about you and your season, fill us in on uh, just what has made the Moose so successful going what 10-0-0-2 without a regulation loss in your last dozen games. Yeah, it's been a good run so far. Um, you know, we've really come together as a team. You know, we struggled a little bit early on. Um, you know, I think we were just below 500 in the first couple series. And we were, like I said, you know, we're a strong defensive team. And, you know, we've been able to execute our game style. Um, you know, from day one, we were able to play strong defense and, you know, pretty strong goaltending. So, you know, we were playing uh, playing really well in our own zone and, and not giving other teams much. It was just you know, creating for us was a little bit of a problem and, and getting the puck in the net. Um, but, you know, in the last 15 games, we've been able to do that. And and I don't know what switched. I think it was just puck luck. I, you know, we were hitting a lot of posts and, and you know, couldn't really score early. And now, um, you know, the last couple, you know, last month, couple weeks here, we've been able to just flood the net and, and on top of that, continue our, our good defense. And, and that's kind of... Um, why we found so much success and, and, and why we're, we're on a roll. Um, tell us about it. You know, I, I want to talk about your entire year, world juniors, the Canada opportunity going forward. But I mean, it has been absolutely, I mean, for everyone, it doesn't matter what job you're in. The year has been bizarre. People have had weird challenges. Um, so yeah, I mean, you were talking about being in the American hockey league, playing with men and uh, you know, the development you had so far this year playing with the moose. Yeah, it's been unbelievable. Um, like, you don't really – you got to experience it to see how much you have to improve and, you know, getting that taste of pro hockey and seeing how strong, big, fast, and, you know, the, the pro lifestyle, the pro game, you know, how different it is from junior hockey and, and where, I, you know, I need to get to for next year if I want to make the jump. Um, and to experience that firsthand, it's just it, – especially as a 19-year-old, it's just an advantage that, you know, not a lot of kids get. So uh, I'm extremely grateful that I got this opportunity and – just tried to make the most of it. Obviously, I was the young guy around town and, and on the team, and everyone kind of took me under their wing and just kind of tried to give me pointers, whether it was, you know, how to live by yourself or, um, you know, carry yourself on off the ice or, you know, whether it was tips on the ice, just little stuff here and there. Kind of from every guy, I learned so much from everyone that it just, you know, I feel so much improvement and, and I feel like that. There it is. It happened again. Unbelievable! It's like a, there's a timer or something on when we've got Cole coming on here, and we get through an answer. It was so wonderful. I'll tell you what, Cole, if you don't mind, let's try one more time because we have to ask you at least about playing for Team Canada coming up. Um, but this is a new mystery, a new guest mystery, because we had a couple times with Chris that popped out. Paul Stastny was awesome, um, but I it's, do. Have I think it's me. Like, it, it, it is, you think there's something? I'm trying going to. I'm there? trying to tweet out uh, that he's coming on, and uh, it's. I don't know. It's messing everything up. So I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not going to do anything on this computer anymore. All right. Okay. That sounds good. Well, listen. We'll try one more time with getting Cole in. We'll That's ask me. him about going up to play with Team Canada, and if that is the case, just end um, it. I I screwed this up. 
we'll, we'll get them back. Um, we do apologize, and it's great to have you yeah, have the Winnipeg basements with the uh, with the bad connection. All right, Cole. I'm not sure whether this is on our end or some sort of weird Wi-Fi thing going on, but we've got you back. Let's get to it. Tell us about how. <laughs> thank you for your patience again. Tell us about how this Canada opportunity came up uh, about, and uh, how excited you are to get a chance to uh, represent Canada again. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Like, um, obviously, I knew the tournament was coming up, and I didn't know, didn't really think anything of it. Obviously, being in the like an AHL and being so young, usually they bring just guys from the NHL. Um, and I was just at the hotel the other night and we just finished our last game in Toronto. We were just hanging out and got a call from my agent saying, Hey, this might be an option. Um, I'll give you a call in the morning. Like they, they seem kind of interested. And then I woke up in the morning and uh, we were on our way to Ottawa and just on the bus and everything within an hour just, played out and and next thing I knew I was on the team and I was going to flying to Latvia on Saturday so um, it kind of just all worked out and I was able to you know being from Whitby only a couple hours away from Ottawa my dad um, drove out and and picked me up and I got to come home for a couple days so um, just soaking up some family time before I have to head off and and uh that was crazy how fast it all happened and, and where it went. But, you know, I'm extremely excited. Every time you get to wear the, the Maple Leaf, it's a huge honor. And um, especially in a tournament like this, you know, it's one of the bucket list tournaments. And um, to do it as a 19-year-old, it's pretty special. So um, I'm, I'm very excited and, and, you know, looking forward to it. I, you know, watched this tournament growing up my whole life. So um, to, to be a part of it, to, you know, kind of get a taste of um, – you know, double IHF at, at the NHL level with, with all this talent. I'm, yeah, I'm really you know, it just seems like such a great opportunity. And, of course, this isn't the first time you've represented Canada, not even this year. I mean, uh, World Juniors heading in, it really has been sort of a whirlwind for you. And I, I imagine it's somewhat bittersweet for you because you've probably got a lot of friends, former teammates before, that haven't had much chance to play at all this year in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah, there's lots of buddies of mine from back home in junior um, that didn't get a chance to play and. You know, I'm just very thankful, very fortunate um, and grateful that I've had the opportunity to play hockey since November. Um, I've, you know, not a lot of kids got that opportunity, so I'm not taking it for granted. I'm very happy that, you know, my development as a player, as a person continued to, you know, rise, get better. And, and um, you know, there's a lot of kids that didn't get that opportunity this year. And, and I feel for them and a lot of them are, you know, close buddies and and uh, sucks to see them not be able to play. But. Um, same time I, I was given an opportunity and I'm just trying to make the most of it and, 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 you know, get better and, and, you know, be the best I can. So, yeah, well, you certainly have done that. I've got to ask you just, you know, you talked about, you know, being a part of the moose and being the young guy, what was it like being so close to the NHL club this year, uh, as you got your feet wet as a pro? Yeah, it was really good. I mean, this year, I think it was a little bit of a different year. You know, there's lots of movement in the AHL to the NHL. Um, with guys, but I think this year there was lots, especially with the taxi squad, guys were coming up and down um, lots, so I, I really got to meet a lot of new faces, get comfortable with the guys, you know, a lot of those guys on the moose are going to be, are, are signed with the Jets, or have had opportunities with the Jets, so to, you know, get familiar, build relationships, and, and be friends with a lot of those guys before my first year with the Jets, it's, you know, it's so beneficial for me to get comfortable, and you know, when I show up, I'm not going to be um, you know, shy or quiet or not really knowing anyone, I'm going to have a good base and know a lot of people and, and the systems and, 
in the way that the, the lifestyle is in Winnipeg. I'm going to be very comfortable with all that. So, um, you know, it's, there's, it was so good for me and, you know, so, so beneficial for me to be there this year. And, and, you know, I'm just very thankful that I got the opportunity. Hey, I mean, I know there wasn't much life for anybody um, away from work, if you will. But, I mean, what was life like for you away from the rink this year? I mean, uh, did you live with teammates? I mean, uh, how and what did you do when you weren't playing hockey? Yeah, so it was tough. So I moved in with uh, – I, I was by myself, actually, for the beginning um, for a while. And I was in the hotel. It was a nice hotel had like the ensuite and all that kind of stuff, like the, the kitchenette, sorry. So I was able to, you know, it was kind of like a mini apartment. So I was happy with that. But over time it got a little, uh, little lonely being in there by myself. And, um, you know, you weren't allowed to hang out with the guys really, um, you know, ever due to COVID protocol. So it was kind of go to the rink and spend as much time as you can at the rink all day. And then, you know, when you're done, you got to go home and be by yourself. So it was kind of, it was kind of crappy that way, but, um, once they kind of caught wind that the OHL wasn't going to go, I moved in with one of the guys on the team, um, Skylar McKenzie actually. And, uh, he offered me a place at his house and moved in with him. And, you know, that made a big difference being with someone, um, you know, just having someone to talk to someone to, even when, you know, you're just hanging out, you know, just having someone to hang out with and, and have face to face interactions with, it was huge for me and, um, good for me mentally. So I ended up moving with him and, and that, you know, was really good and, you know, built a lot of friendships, especially there. And, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was good living, you know, learning to live on my own. And that was kind of my first taste of it. So, um, definitely matured in that aspect, but, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, hopefully there'll be a lot more fun in future years when you actually, you know, enjoy some of the city, the people of it be more than just going back and forth from rink to hotel. But, um, You've got a big trip coming up, heading overseas to play for Canada at the World Championships. Have they told you at all? I mean, what have you only really spoken with them through your agent, or have they told you how things are going to work, what the expectations are, or is it just a matter of getting there? Go out there, show what you can do, and try and make the most of your opportunities like you've done at every step of the way. Yeah, I think it's a little bit like that. Like They haven't said too, too much. I mean, I've talked to them um, personally, but at the same time, you know, they're not, it, it's been a little bit. They, they haven't said too, too much, but, uh, you know, my understanding is I'm going to get an opportunity. And then from there, I got to make the most of it. There's a lot of good hockey players going. So I'm not, you know, guaranteed anything given, you know, just cause I'm there, I'm, I'm not given anything special. You know, no one has that. I, you know, everyone's going to come in kind of at the same level and, and whoever's playing the best is, is who's going to go. That's what I, that's, that's what they've said and, and kind of what my understanding is. So, my goal is to just, you know, when I get that opportunity, just make the most of it and, and do what I can and play the best I can and, and go from there and hopefully, you know, continue to, to be successful. Well, for young players, especially playing up against men, having their first chance to do so many of these things, confidence is so important. I mean, we've seen how confident you looked on the ice. I mean, how would you describe your level of confidence and, you know, preparation for what's to come this year as well as, an NHL training cap next year with, I presume your eyes set on uh, earning an NHL job. Yeah, it's come at a good time. I really started to take, uh, take flight here and started to play my game and, and really started to feel comfortable in the, in the league the last month. And, um, you know, my confidence has grown, um, a larger amount and, and, you know, I just feel like my play is elevated and, and I'm able to, 
to do things that, you know, I was doing in junior and I was able to do that at the AHL level. So I think it took, there was always going to be an adjustment period. I knew that, um, you know, it might take a little bit longer than I had hoped, but eventually I got there, you know, at the 15 game mark, 14 game mark, whatever it was, I started to feel comfortable and, and started to make plays. And, um, you know, that's, that was, that's huge for me now because I have, I'm riding that confidence from the, from the success I had with the moose, um, you know, going into the, to the world championships here, hopefully can, you know, build off that and continue that confidence and, and use it throughout the summer. And then, like you said, going to, to Jets camp next year with the, with that high level of confidence and, and, you know, after a good off season, uh, you know, do whatever I can to correct the lineup. Cole, listen, uh, you have uh, really excited Jet fans who were fired up from the second that your name got called in the draft, to be honest, and then, you know, seeing what you did at the World Junior and then coming here to Manitoba, this exciting chapter going forward and everything to come. Um, You know, we hope we'll be doing this many times in the future with you here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, but I can tell you the Jets and Moots fans alike will be, and they probably be pulling for Canada anyways, but I think they'll be paying far closer attention to the games, knowing that you're part of the squad. Um, All the best, hope it goes well, and we'll look forward to catching up heading into next season when uh, you look to make your next step in a pretty exciting young professional career. Thank you, I appreciate that, and uh, thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to uh, talking again. Right on. Good luck at the World Championships. There's Cole Perfetti of the Manitoba Moose, last year's Jets' number one draft pick. And yeah, we got it straight out there at the end. Got some great answers. We uh, apologize for a couple of those uh, blips earlier on, but hey, you know how it is. WST, working through it, um, but ended up just an awesome, awesome show today with Cole Perfetti, Paul Stastny, and Chris Johnson of Sportsnet. Um you know, we uh, have to thank, as I mentioned, Scott Brown, the guys over at the Jets for helping us with Paul Stastny earlier. And Dan Fink, who um, does so many things for the Moose, not only uh, limited to his amazing calls of Moose games. And by the way, speaking of those games, um, it sounds like there won't be any playoff hockey until sometime next week. Jets finish up on Friday. You will be able to hear the one and only Fink called Moose Hockey Saturday and Sunday. I believe both games are on CGOB coming up this weekend. So if you haven't heard Dan call the games already, you're missing out. Check him out. And a big thanks to him for getting it done. All right. We've got a few other things to get to. We will get to the cool bet lines, but let's get Remus back in here as we move on to the final portion of the program. Um, you know, well-spoken young man, Reem, and what a year it's been for Cole Perfetti. I mean, we talked about the World Juniors, then coming in and, you know, sort of getting his feet wet in the American Hockey League. But what he's done over the past month, month and a half, hitting his stride, I think has been, you know, one of the more exciting things happening in the organization this year that hasn't been happening with the big club. Yes, I mean, uh, the, it seemed like every day there was a new Cole Perfetti highlight reel goal. He had the big point streak. Uh, you could There was the one he was skating end-to-end. As he said, you know, he was doing things in the AHL that he had done previously in junior hockey. So, uh, as you said, a lot of people excited when he was picked. Um, I don't know where he's going to be in the future, but you have to be excited about this. I mean, the future being like next year, where is he going to make the Jets or, or not? But you have to be excited about this season and then getting called up to play on Team Canada at the Worlds in Latvia. He said he's going to be off there uh, Saturday. I was just looking at the roster. You know, very, I, with a, such a weird season, it seems like a lot of the more veteran players, maybe who have families, opting, you know what, I'm going to take this one off. And you do have a very young team with Perfetti and uh, Owen Power uh, as well. 
And, but he's supposed the, to be the number one pick in yeah. the draft coming up. He's out of Michigan, I believe. I saw Dylan Dubé and Mangiapane uh, from yeah, uh, Calgary, um, more veteran or at least established NHLers the, with the club. The most established guy to me on this team, Adam Henrique from the Ducks. We also have Maxime Comtois from the Ducks, Connor Brown from Ottawa, um, Brandon Peary, who's bounced around for a while. He's, a, I guess, a more veteran guy. So this is an interesting team, Canada. I always like... Uh, you know, watching the worlds because you know usually it's in Europe. It's on in the afternoon, and uh, you know the you know the Jets when they're not in, they do or the prospect has a uh, you know a rooting interest. And now I think we're all going to be tuning in to see uh, what Cole Perfetti uh, can do. And he says you know he's going to you know give it a shot and see. Uh, he hasn't been promised anything, but we'll we'll see how it goes. You know, the other thing about the World Championships that's so great is the fans. And that is, you know, I've had a few sporting events on the bucket list that I haven't done. And a European World Hockey Championships is right at the top of that list. Um, And I wonder, I mean, I haven't really looked into it. I mean, are there going to be fans at this event, Reem? Is it going to be limited? Or are all the crazies going to be invading as they normally do and get fired up? I guess that'll be something to pay attention to. But, you know, I don't know what the expectations for this Canadian team are going to be. But certainly the interest will be around young players like Power and Perfetti who get a pretty great opportunity to make it happen. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Is that a lawnmower back there? What what was (laughs) that? That... (laughs) I don't know, but something. <laughs> so sorry. I know. I am I supposed to power it's, through? Is that it's, like a it's, cow? It's not indigestion. I didn't have fifteen wings beforehand. It sounds like some sort of saw or something like that. <laughs> is that? Does anyone else hear that? <laughs> is that coming? Is that coming through? Well, thank God. So, th- like we had a couple of glitches earlier, but thank God that they didn't start doing construction below my place at some point in uh, <laughs> during the the Stasny, Perfetti or Chris Johnson interviews so, today. Sorry uh, for getting distracted. But I know <laughs> it's in it's in Latvia and um, I saw the look I saw the look on your face at the beginning and I knew what you were thinking it was and no that wasn't it. I know I thought it was like a cow or something or maybe you have your phone your phone ring is like moo but I know I don't know what it's like in Latvia but I agree with you I want to go I'm dying to go to Europe uh, to see see hockey which is kind of funny to hear but I know Spangler Cup I've heard from JP um, yes, that that is Spangler Cup is a big party, and I love the Spangler Cup because I love seeing the names. Be like, oh yeah, I remember that guy. Well, and, Dusty, uh, uh, by yeah. Dustin Nielsen, I mean, a partner from the Lock Shop, he's called those games. Well, didn't this year, but the last couple of years, it's something that he has been doing. And man, he cannot rave enough about the vibe mm-hmm. in and around the Spanglers. So, anyways, that certainly is something that we're going to want to get to at some point. WST on the road, live from yeah. European tour. <laughs> sure. And then uh, like the European vacation. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what it's going to be like for fans. I just know uh, Rick Ralph has always said remembers like the worlds in Halifax and like Latvians (laughs) would just, you know, take over the bar. So I imagine I know the European hockey is different, maybe different atmosphere than North American, especially at these uh, world events like the Spangler and the World Championships. But uh, we'll tune in. That seems pretty cool. But I don't know if they're going to have fans or I haven't looked in. I haven't really looked into it. Guess we'll find out. Let's get to the cool bet lines for today. And interestingly enough, there are six games in the NHL tonight. There was only two last night, but we're still needing to make up a number of games. Uh, We've got three games in the Canadian division, none of them involving the Winnipeg Jets. Edmonton at Montreal. Um, Everything is set now. So none of these games, games really matter at all. What's interesting is that the Leafs 
are starting Freddie Anderson for the first time in forever tonight against the Ottawa Senators. Leafs minus 192. Ottawa plus 160. Uh, Oilers minus 154 favorites at the Canadians plus 130. Habs still working on getting some of their top players back. And the first of the four remaining games between Vancouver and Calgary go tonight. Vancouver plus 155. Calgary at home minus 185. You've also got Minnesota. Minnesota still does have something to play for, as do the Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche. Avalanche will be cheering for San Jose to beat Vegas, which still puts first place up for grabs in the West right now. We should know that over the course of the ne- over the course of the next. Uh, of the Can next everyone hear days. that? Can everyone hear that? I don't know why I'm laughing so hard. Like, it's not even that, that loud, but it sounds it's, like a it cow. Sounds, it sounds like a real grumbler, is what it does. Sound like. But that's I listen. Not guilty. Not guilty. I haven't been eating it. You know, 15 wings like Remus or a tribute to Paul Stastny with, you know, maybe some Taco Bell beforehand. I'm clean here, folks. I'm clean. Not guilty of uh, of all of it. Um, One thing about the Flames, though, Remus. Um, speaking of injuries, Sean no. Monaghan shut down, <laughs> shut down for the season, um, and you know, not really surprising. I, I wouldn't be shocked if Calgary shut down a number of their players going into these final games against Vancouver, and I wouldn't be surprised if a number of those players don't return to Calgary next year, considering what a dud their season was. Yeah, and I'll just remember uh, Paul Maurice saying, "Was it you know last week? You know, we expected a lot." A better game from Calgary. <laughs> so so did everyone this year. <laughs> so uh, thank you, Calgary. I, I couldn't stop taking them on DraftKings, as I've said many times, and they were just a major disappointment. Uh, I, I took Markstrom in a couple fantasy leagues, and uh, that didn't work out. So I wonder what Calgary's going to do. Same with the Vancouver. Um, you know, they have these games at the end. I think they'll just treat them like exhibition games, right, and just play some guys who they want to look at. I mean... Everyone's saying, like, why even make them play? Vancouver has this crazy schedule at the end. Give them give them a rest. I mean, maybe they'll just be, like, end-of-season exhibition rather than, than preseason. Po- you know, post- I want to say postseason, but that's what you call the playoffs. But, like, <laughs> the the preseason postseason? <laughs> I knew there would be a bunch of Taco Bell cracks in the in the chat the minute that happened. And sure enough... That is exactly what's happening right now. It did sound a little moo-like, moo like as if maybe I was living on top of a barn or something like that. But no, in fact, that's not the case. Um, I'm going to dig up a cow sound effect. <laughs> I've learned, though, that I've learned that I can't use this uh, computer for anything but, but the show now. Uh, uh, exactly. Trying to tweet, so trying to tweet out during... I got so excited. So that so that's oh interesting interesting. Well, yeah, so I'll give a little behind that. the scenes. Uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk during the Perfetti interview, I got really excited that he was on, and I was like, sure, I'll take a screenshot of this and uh, try to tweet it out. And I guess when I was typing, I don't know if there's a hotkey, it must have muted him, and I didn't know how, how to turn it on. I'm guessing that's what it was. But uh, and then the bullet in chess is get two computers. Oh, I have two computers, but uh, <laughs> I definitely have multiple computers here. So uh, you know, oh, you oh, think well. he's running this shit off a Commodore sixty four bullet? Jeez, this is a, <laughs> a high tech operation. Got a yeah, yes, twenty I'm, in the background cranking yeah, a hamster in a wheel. Might as well be. I'm sitting like <laughs> sitting in the floor uh, in my basement right now doing this. So. Um, 
Oh well, I I feel bad about that, and I did not did not feel great about the muting the. Per- Once I realized it was me, I was like, oh, oh crap. <laughs> there was there was a. a uh, now, but, did you did, when you said that was me? Did that come out on the like to I everyone th- or as well? I was think, that yeah, I think so. I, I yeah, that's good. I, you know, own it publicly. Own it. Publicly. I gotta own it. You gotta step up, and you gotta own it. If I have to step up to the podium. Here, I, I might have some microphones I can I can bring up and and own my mistake. Let me see if I can pu- pull these up here. Oh. We got a, oh. a show ending um, press release uh, press conference from Michael Remus on a on, on a tech issue that we've found that had just emerged during the uh, the program. I got I do though have to thank Cole for that. I mean, sometimes that's a pain in the ass and. Uh, a lot of guys will be like, "Yeah, whatever. If this isn't working, I'm out." Um, he was so, he, had, he was so nice, man. He was so to, good about uh, it too. Keep keep doing it. Like uh, here, I'll pull <laughs> David up. Carpenter. A really good show. A weird show, but a good show. That's uh, <laughs> that's what we uh, we had for it. All right, and over here. One sec. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I just kicked something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Your mic. The, the, the mic's still there. All right. Well. I'm at the podium, guys, so here it is. <laughs> I got to own it. Look, I just want to stay here and take responsibility for a couple technical issues during the Cole Perfetti uh, segment. Uh, Cole, I just want to apologize for trying to tweet. You know, I'm just trying to do, trying to go out there and do my best today, and I just didn't have it, I guess, so... Uh, you know what? We're gonna learn from this. We're gonna move on, and we're gonna try to do. We got a great show tomorrow. It's gonna be a lot better. So, uh, any any questions? Any questions out there? Uh, yes, actually, I do have oh. a question. Uh, oh. At what point did you realize that this wasn't just a technical glitch, and you were in fact causing it, Michael? Oh, us! You're always here uh, when these types of uh, incidents happen. <laughs> You're never here. You're never here after the good after the good shows. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, oh, once I tried so tweeting like three or four times, and he kept getting. I think it was the third time he, he got me. I was like, oh, maybe it is me. <laughs> well, I gotta tell you, those guys were awesome to go on. Thank God you weren't tweeting during the Stastny thing. Um, and I well, have to thank. Cole Perfetti for being such a pro to uh, just sort of roll with it and uh, get back on, and then it was awesome. I was smart enough to tweet from my laptop that's beside me during Stasny. I, I got cocky. I got a little cocky. I, was, I felt like I was wearing the 1000 jersey myself during the Perfetti. I was like, hey, I'll tweet from the stream computer. Oh, you know what? Paul, Maurice, Winston Churchill... Got nothing on you, Reem. That was uh, that. <laughs> that was absolutely hilarious. You're, you're always here for the bad ones. <laughs> it seems that way, doesn't it, Michael? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. man, listen, that was a lot of fun today. Um, I know the Fink was in here. Shout out to Dan. Oh, was Dan was in here. I lo- he, yeah, he was in so. here. Um, thanks so much for making that happen. And as I mentioned, we'll look forward to those games on Saturday and Sunday on CJOB. And, um, you know, Reem, uh, uh, overall, just a, a heck of a show tomorrow. I was going to say we'd get into the golf highlights, but no, that starts tomorrow for the Byron Nelson. You can still go and maybe get a wager in on it at coolbet.com. 
Um, and looking forward to uh, getting back out to Breezy now that this weather is so gorgeous. I, Reem, I think we've now hit that period where it's going to be nice going forward. And, you know, I know we can't really go out and get together uh, with the current rules, but at least when you're sitting on the deck in a park or something like that, we... We should be able to get through these next couple weeks, I think, um, you know, with some sunshine, being outside, some activities, and uh, hopefully a lot of great playoff hockey that, fingers crossed, might extend longer than uh, the first round for the Winnipeg Jets. We'll find out the way that gets going next week. Yeah, I'm pumped. Um, You know, maybe I might have to set up a TV outside uh, in a park or something for these playoff games, right? Is that the only place where you can can see people um i know we're gonna miss you know having friends over watching it but uh uh, soon we'll be able to and uh i am pumped to enjoy uh these games virtually uh you know seeing everyone's tweets uh, during the game uh, so much you know makes it more enjoyable than uh, sitting alone and watching so uh we don't know the game times yet i mean chris johnson's like i'm not pulling your guys leg i don't i don't know so I don't know, maybe Wednesday. Yeah, they're working it out. I would have thought that they may have started it beforehand, but I guess they haven't. And, uh, oh, my God, Taylor, I did not see that, but thank you so much. Getting in the super chat from our girl, Taylor, maybe the uh, the princess or the queen of the WST chat here every day. We actually have some incredible – I know people always say sports talk is, like, just a, a male thing, but, you know, shout out to the girl. In fact, Taylor won one of the Boston pizzas, and it was Tracy who won the second mm-hmm. one. So – We've got the ladies representing here daily on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Absolutely love it. Uh, Remo, what's going on tonight? No game tonight. What are you going to do? I guess parenting? Maybe just um, deal with the wings that you ate before the show? No. What am I doing? I don't know. I think my wife and I were watching um, Flight Attendant, the TV show. Uh, so maybe we'll tune in that into that. I mean, the hockey games that are on are what they're like. No one's dressing anyone like Boston. Well, Vegas, Vegas, and Colorado will be interesting games, okay. and I know you like the late games. So. Yeah, that's later. So you know what? I would tune into that. Maybe I'll fire up some MLB. Try to get you know, try to get uh, some physical activity in uh, if I can. I think I need it because I've been pretty you know sedentary for the last while. So yeah, tell me about uh, it. I think that goes oh, for a lot of people right do, now. And doing laundry too. I usually do laundry on non game nights. Hey, um, I mentioned just before we go, laundry on game nights, I'll send you some. You can do some of mine. I need it. Um, back to, I, you know, we, we should not finish the show without talking about the Blake Wheeler uh, business. And it was very interesting to hear it talked about by, um, you know, the team, the player afterwards, as well as some of the media. And there was an interesting conversation on Kenny and Rennie. Mike was on with the guys along with Sean and Ken. Sean will be with us on Thursday again, by the way, this week before their show on Friday. And, you know, they made a good, I, I think it's a legitimate point that, you know, because remember how pissed off Maurice was that one time when they were, you know, questioning his captain and all that. That was sort of the first big fireworks of the season when Wheeler was sort of struggling at the beginning of the yes. year. And, you know, it had sort of been floated out that he wasn't 100%. And, you know, they asked him about it. And he said, if I'm out there, I'm 100% or consider me 100%. And, and I mean, I said on the program, I said, guys, come on. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that, you know, he's dealing with something and he was in. But they did make a good point that, you know, uh, you know, at what point do you decide to play an injured player, especially early on in the season in that role, um, or give him rest? Now, I mean, Wheeler, and he said it. He goes, I feel that I can help this team in many ways as long as I'm not hurting the team. 
Um, you know, I want to be out there if I can be. And that's something that we've seen from Wheeler. Um, part of the reason why he became the Iron Man that he is for this club before missing that couple weeks later on in the season. Um, but it's another part of the reason why I said those couple weeks could be incredibly beneficial for the captain of the Winnipeg Jets going into the playoffs. And lo and behold, there was Wheeler with two goals and two assists last night. Remo, what do you think about the fact that that's come out right now? Everyone sort of knows what the story is. And, you know, would a little bit more transparency have saved the captain from some criticism and uh, maybe some tense moments in the media room with uh, Mike and the guys? Um, I think that they, I don't, no one comes out and says what injuries are anymore. So what, they come out and say, yeah, he's got crack ribs. And then you got Brady or Matthew Kachuk come and like fire the puck at, <laughs> at his Good ribs. Point. Or, or you got some guy coming and uh, give him a little cross check in his ribs. Uh, it's kind of gross actually thinking that players do, I mean, before, you know, people did that all the time, but. Uh, intentionally injuring someone like well, cross checking is once gross. again legal in the NHL. So that's a penalty, though. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't believe it is. Cross checking. You, know you, you know what you have to do. The only way you have to do what Bichnevich that was cross checking. Like to get cross checking <laughs> called right now, you literally need to commit a suspendable offense. Yeah. They, and get well, used to more of that come playoff time. Well, it's usually like you cross check a guy once, they don't call it. You cross, you can get a second shot. And then they don't call it. And then a third shot, it's like, okay, they then they call it. But yeah, you can't say what the injury is. So they did what they needed to do. They had to protect him. Um, I think you can question more, should he have been playing? Because it's clear, it was clear that his results um, weren't what we've seen from him in the past. And he was getting top-line minutes. I think you can question that. But, I mean, the record, look, they just lost, what, nine? <laughs> How many lose? Nine of their last 11? They went on a seven-game losing streak, or I might be mixing up the numbers here, but they just went on a crazy losing streak, and they're still comfortably in the playoffs. So, I mean, how much did it really hurt them? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it was more. I mean, I don't think it hurt the team at all. I mean, some would say, you know, there was some, you know, at the top line, maybe you worked things around. This was more just a question of, you know, and I, and I get why, uh, you know, teams really hold that stuff close to the vest, and I totally understand why if Blake Wheeler walks into Maurice's office and says, I'm good, I'm going tonight, he's putting him out there. I mean, he talked about I'll never forget it. Maurice, you know, mentioned that incident in Dallas towards the end of the year early on in his term. I thought it might have been the second year, but maybe it was the first year where the Jets were dying. Jets were dying to stay in the playoff race. Wheeler gets run in and like impaled on yes. the, oh, the door opening. I was in the press box that night in Dallas, and I rarely have been so concerned watching an injury of a player with my own eyes. And I was concerned whether he'd be back, what this does to him long term. And then the team's down a goal with, you know, a couple minutes left in the game. And who comes out, you know, to try to help the team win Blake Wheeler? And I think I said on 1290 after that, it was around the time where Ladd was out. They were talking about who would be the next captain of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, you know, it was listen, we know exactly who the next captain of the Winnipeg Jets is going to be. It's number 26, and we saw why last night. So, um, anyways, bottom line is I'm glad that that is much like a lot of things right now. Distant history, um, the injuries early on. Wheeler looked great last night. So did the team. Two goals, two assists. Top line blows up. Hellebuck gets a shutout. Everyone can exhale. And now, Reem, we've just got just one measly game against the Leafs, a game that doesn't mean anything. Sure would have been nice if it was for first. That ship sailed a while ago. And um, then we prepare for 
all Jets, all Oilers, all the time beginning next week when we get going on uh, week one and round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, one thing to watch tonight, I think Freddie Anderson's getting the start. So who's Toronto's goalie going to be in their series against uh, Montreal? They're going Jack Campbell. I assume it's Jack Campbell. Almost, I, I can't imagine. I mean, I guess maybe if Freddie goes in and puts back-to-back shutouts and looks like the second coming of, um, you know, Dominic Hasek, then maybe they'd put him in. But, um, you know, considering how little he's played, that does seem somewhat unlikely. Um, but again, we'll have lots of time next week to talk about all of that stuff. I'll post the cool bet lines as well mm. as the promo code bonus link on our Twitter at Sports Talk WPG. Um, give a shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. If you're looking to plan a some sort of a trip within the province, um, some availability in June, which never happens because of how much incredible international tourism they normally have and come there. Check them out online at AikensLake.com. And uh, maybe we'll see you out there this summer. And, um, uh, you know, other than that, Reem, this has just been an awesome show. we got to thank everyone that's been with us all afternoon long since 1 o'clock. Chris Johnson of Sportsnet that kicked things off with a great conversation about a number of topics in the NHL. Of course, the man of the hour, the guest of honor, Mr. 1000, Paul Stastny, coming off his 1,000th game last night for the Winnipeg Jets in that big win and finishing it off with Cole Perfetti, starring with the Moose this year, bright part of the Winnipeg Jets' future, and on his way to the World Hockey Championships. That's how you pack a lot into a Wednesday edition of the program, my man. Yeah, and it just kind of worked out that way, that the Jets were off today, and uh, they got a big win yesterday, and Stasny's been, I know he's on, he's actually on NHL Network, uh, I think Mike Kelly was talking to him, and they played a clip of our uh, Ehlers interview. Um, saying Ehlers saying he had the best IQ, so that's on YouTube uh, with that clip. Uh, that was cool. Sh- yeah, shout out to them. Mike for uh, helping us out as well. That's nice to you know get that clip out there. And then um, yeah, Cole Perfetti. We did suffer through some uh, self-inflicted poss- possibly uh, issues that were eventually resolved. So. No proof. There's no proof. Although yeah. we did I have a press conference later on where you owned it. So, I mean, I, at this I point, it. it's basically, <laughs> that's the way we'll do it. Press I'm, conference I think, was quite a highlight of it all. <laughs> I feel bad making it about myself. It should have been about uh, Cole being on uh, Team Canada. But, uh, hey, we're trying to put on an entertaining product here. So, you know what? People and like press we, conferences. Yeah, I think we did exactly that. Um, huge thanks to the Jets for helping us out with... Um, Paul Stastny, Scott Brown, obviously, Chris Johnson, Cole Perfetti, Dan Fink, all of you guys in with us with the chat. Do us a favor. If you haven't already, hit that like button. And if you're in the room right now and haven't subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Hit the red subscribe button and join us every day at 1 o'clock on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Another big show, Reed. We're backing, going back-to-back with some fantastic guests. Of course, it's Tomorrow's Thursday, right? Yeah, Thursday, Sean Reynolds, Kenny and Rennie, he's going to join us. We'll break down all the latest Jets news, and we'll talk more about the news from around the league, as well as the upcoming Stanley Cup playoffs, with the first visit of our old pal, Reem TSN hockey insider Darren Drager on the program tomorrow. Yeah, emailed uh, Darren. He said he's good to go, so... Uh, I think there's a lot of off-season. As you mentioned, we can get into some of the coaching stuff, but also this North Division playoff series. Um, I did see a funny tweet uh, from your from your friend uh, Gabe Morenci. Oh, what's ta- Gabe got to say? He's saying, you know, the biggest losers, are, well, the NHL are just huge losers for the, uh, you know, in terms of financial, how much money they're missing out on 
from people can't go to the games for this Toronto Montreal playoff oh. series, and like how everyone is just losing out on on business. You can't have people. You can't have people in restaurants, bars, and how much lost revenue there is for everybody because of these awesome playoff series. So, oh, and I then mean, he was te- yeah, and then he was tweeting us how he said he had like thirty tickets or something to the ninety three playoffs, and if it was going to be Toronto, you know Montreal, he would have made a killing, but the the prices dropped like ninety percent because <laughs> it was L A. and he's like yelling at Kerry Fraser. Yeah, 93, of course, for those of you old yeah. enough to remember, it was the, uh, it could have been Leafs, Habs in the Stanley Cup final, and um, the Kings ended up beating the Leafs, and it ended up going to, the Habs ended up still winning, but yeah, the uh, the value of those Stanley Cup final tickets that Gabe had his hands on um, yeah. dropped about 300% in price when it wasn't Leafs Toronto. So um, anyways, I'm here for it. Both series are going to be great, as well as the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, once again, folks, thanks to our sponsors, Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Royal Sports, Little Brown Jug. Might be time for one of these after the show, considering everything that's happened today. Uh, Assiniboine Downs, opening day Monday. Darren Dunn coming up on Monday. We'll preview the Preakness on Friday. Breezy Bend Country Club, Coolbet Canada, and Aikens Lake. Coolbet lines will be up on the Twitter page shortly. All right, for Michael Remus, Andrew Patterson with you. Thanks so much for being with us, folks. We'll see you tomorrow, 1 p.m. Dreger, Sean Reynolds, going to be a great show tomorrow winnipeg sports talk daily have a great night get outside and enjoy this beautiful weather oh my oh! god oh! shut it down oh let's go thanks for tuning in to winnipeg sports talk daily make sure to subscribe on youtube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipeg 